0: Well, good morning to each one this morning. We are uh, happy to get to be here with you this morning. I thought, um, Ethan, your opening comments um, were good. And I thought we'll ponder them just a little bit, use your thoughts in light of what I'm going to share. Um, specifically, was asked to share knowing that... Um, Tim and Cheryl are coming back, and how can, what was the question, how can we best receive them, bless them, be an encouragement to them? And in light of the opening comments, you know, you talked about negative, positive, and neutral influences. Uh, Tim and Cheryl know that they've been in a totally different setting, and they've had differing negative, positive, and neutral influences on them and on their children, So what happens? We get formed. Just like you said, Ethan, we're formed. There's some negatives over there that they don't like. Sorry, I'm just jumping in here because that was an excellent illustration for us here to begin. There are some negative influences over there they don't like. And they there are some neutral influences over there. That's just the way it is. And there are some positive influences over there that they appreciate. But they also know that over here, there are some positive influences they want. And some of it is from you all. And some of it is from lots of things. There's also some neutral influences that they care deeply about their children, beginning to understand some of these neutral influences. They want the positive, and they know there's some neutral. They also know there's some negative here. And they're wrestling with some of that. I'm not speaking necessarily just in the church. Sure, we... We all give out some negative, too. We wish we wouldn't, and we're working on it. That happens. But in the setting of the world we're in, there's some negative influences. So just realize, and you all know this, and forgive me if I say boring things because you already know it. But they've had this set of influences, and so it has formed them. And forgive me if I say this too many times, also especially their children. And there's been things that have formed them. And now they would like to. It's their desire to come and be in a new set of influences. Because they want them and they want their children to have them. But it's not always easy. Um, and may I say, especially, sure, um, us adults, we'll walk through them. We'll deal with some tears. We'll deal with some wrestles. We'll deal with our flesh. We'll deal with our spirit. We'll deal with our, all these things. But we'll walk through it. But helping our children and youth walk through that sometimes can be the most difficult. They're not as mature. They don't understand. I have, this is all unnotes, so forgive me. We'll get there someday. I have um, many times, it's so common, people will go overseas and after they're there for a few weeks, they'll say, you know, the culture shock, it's not that bad. They kind of knew what was coming and they had braced themselves and they stuck their hand in the same pot and ate this slimy stuff they didn't know what was and they lived in the heat and they dealt with people who jabbered at them and they didn't know what they were saying and they were prepared for all of that. Many times the biggest culture shock is when we come back to the states. We think we're coming home and so we come relaxed and all of a sudden, jerk, wait a minute, that's right. I forgot you have to do this, and I forgot you have to do that, and I forgot these people act like this, and I forgot they say that. And I fer- but it's because you're not really braced or prepared for it. I've just heard many times the greater culture shock is actually coming back here than it is going over there. You're braced for it over there. <clears throat> you're not so much when you come back. So anyway, I may refer to that again a few times, Ethan, as, we, as I try to give some illustrations of negative, neutral, and positive influences That we deal with when um, Brother Earl called me and asked, I said, well, let me think about it, and I kind of wrestled with it, Um, share something about how to bless returning missionaries. Well, I have some thoughts and perspectives. I went, maybe, I've been through the missionary side, but I actually haven't been through the receiving church side as much. So my tendency is to think, well, I have some thoughts for the return missionary maybe, but What am I supposed to say to the church and chewed and thought? And so I opened my Bible. I knew third John and that's where we'll go. Uh, Third John has some thoughts for us. I opened there. So between third John and the encouragement of my wife, I'm here. (laughs) So let's just open, jump right into third John here. Um, Okay. Let's see, my graph is horizontal in my mind, and so I've got to create it vertically here. <laughs> is this the only marker we have? Do we have any other colors or anything? If not, we'll make it work. I just didn't know if there's something aiding. Okay. There's the title, Aiding Others' journey. Third John, um, it's just a short book and a short chapter, but I want us to read it, and I'm going to read it more than once because I think many of us don't get it the first time we read it. But this here is talking about um, receiving missionaries. That's what it's talking about. I don't know if you ever knew that, but I think you'll see it as we read it. So listen here, Beloved, verse 5, 3 John, chapter 1, the only chapter, verse 5 says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully. Speaking of Gaius, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. Strangers does not mean strange people. It doesn't mean odd, weird people. Stranger means a guest. And you, you go study the word, find other verses. We're not going to do that. Um, but that's what it means. It means someone who's coming who's not a person from your household. You are the host. And you are hosting someone. That is a stranger. Other languages sometimes have a word for that. We What, what do we call them? Guests, I guess. Yeah, that's probably the word. Guest. So whatever you do to the brethren and to guests which have borne witness of thy charity. Thank you which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake, these guests, these people, these strangers, for his name's sake, they went forth... Taking nothing of the Gentiles, obviously the connotation is they're sharing with the Gentiles, they're giving to the Gentiles, they're preaching to the Gentiles, because that for his name's sake, God's Christ name's sake, they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may be fellow helpers to the truth. If we receive them, and there's a few, a list of other things we'll look at again. We will be fellow helpers to the truth. And I'm going to read 9 and 10. It may not always feel like... feels like you might change subjects. But I'm going to go on. I wrote into the church, But Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth... And that's the word again. Receiveth us not. If you notice up in verse 8, it says, Receive such. But here was someone who didn't receive such. Such, and do you know why? Because says, uh, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, Diotrophes was concerned about himself, not others. And as we seek to aid others' journey, I think we'll find this right here is hugely key: others. And I'm going to share some very simple truths in one sense this morning that is the same across the board, whether it's ministry among yourselves or to the world or to returning missionaries. It takes an others centered mindset and we have to get out of our shoes and crawl into their shoes a little bit. I'm going to read this again. Beloved. Okay, let's jump just where are we going to jump anyway? Um, let, let me just read this again. So I want you to think about this again. Beloved, here's the Apostle John saying, Thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. And it works both ways. The principles we're going to look at work. We're human beings. Whether we're from this side of the globe or we're from this side of the globe, we're human beings. We're all the same. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to these traveling evangelists that I think came through in John's day, which have borne witness. They have said, you know what, Gaius, of thy charity before the church, Gaius has charity, whom if thou bring forward on their journey, so Gaius, bring these traveling people forward on their journey, that's your job. After a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because it's for his name's sake they went forth. It's for him they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We, therefore, ought to receive such. Why? That we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Okay, we're going to dig into that a little bit. But with that as a background, I want us just to ponder common Human relationships receiving what does it mean to receive? I think we have just going to put a little diagram here, <clears throat> yeah um, that I have pondered much in relationships, not just the specific relationship we're dealing with, but <clears throat> let's see if I can. Get this on here somehow. This is a tower. My drawings, I have to tell people what they are. (laughs) And up here... You know how they put these signal things out from them? That's what that's supposed to be. And this is... Others. And I am a signal giving out and receiving being. Others are signal giving out and receiving beings. And so we have... We have transmitting here. We have um, going this way, and we have going this way. And so between me and others, we're sending and receiving. And transmitting signals. And as these signals go back and forth, if I happen to be using a different frequency than you are, we miss each other. We've all seen that happen. I'm going to give a couple of cross-cultural illustrations of missing each other. Um, Brother John, can you help me? I had an American come greet me. You can stand up here. And stand over here just so they can both see us and Americans, Americans came and I'm American, so I'm supposed to be relaxed and I know how to do this. And greeting each other, that's simple, right? You don't make those dumb mistakes. Well, I said hello to him. I think I probably greeted him properly. I'm going to make a mess of this, aren't I? <clears throat> OK, hold on here. OK. And so I was shaking his hand. One of my sons back here, I guess I don't know if it's my son's. I was a need. And so as I did, I grabbed his hand and I turned to talk to my son just a little bit. Um, Yeah, I needed to take care of something. Ten seconds, you know, and I turned back. All of a sudden I realized, oh, (laughs) I'm holding an American man's hand and he's probably uncomfortable. My transmitter transmitted, hold on just a minute. Okay, I shook your hand, but then I turned just a little bit and I held it just so that he would know. You can sit down. He would know. I'm here, I'm not letting you go, I'm still a part of the conversation, I don't want to be unkind, I'm being respectful to you to let you know, I'm still with you, you're important to me, and that you are the most important, I just have to deal with a an emergency for 10 seconds. That's what my transmitter was transmitting, okay? That's what I was doing, I was sending it up here. Did he get that? I don't think he got it. Did you get that? Is that what you thought when I held Brother John's hand? <laughs> And we all chuckle. I had been in this influence for a while. And this influence taught me a neutral thing. I guess it could be positive because I was showing respect. But my positive respect showing signal was received as odd. And I laughed and I said, I'm so sorry. Do you know what I just did? And we talked about it so that he could understand what I was trying to transmit And he received something quite differently because I was sending off a different frequency than him. Influence. So I was saturated with an influence for a while. Another group of people came in and I didn't act right. I messed up. Not a huge deal. We laughed. I talked about it. We went on. Maturity sometimes can deal with this. But you meditate on this in common human relationships. And even watch a brother's meeting. And sometimes you'll realize, hmm, we've got frequency 99.5 and receiving 102.3. It, it, it's not connecting, right? We've all seen that. Sometimes there's actually a different opinion. Sometimes there's different, we're on a different frequency and we're just not getting it. Cross cultural issues that's very common what's better what is more sanitary eating with a spoon or eating with your fingers which would you prefer spoon most of us unless you've lived across the ocean a while you're going to say spoon and a, a dear other culture person might look at you and say listen How many people have put that spoon in their mouth? And how many people have put this in their mouth? Now you tell me which one's more sanitary. Right? Do you see? And we could go on and on and on. And I just share a few illustrations just to make the point. Just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. Nor does it mean it's right, always. There's some neutral things in play here. So when we cross cultures and we change, many times we're transmitting and receiving different signals. Especially with our children, they don't understand that concept of what signals are happening. And sometimes they come back and they feel dumb. We go over there, we begin to try to learn a language and learn a culture and learn how to do things. We're not sure how strong of a word to use—dumb, stupid, brainless—you know. These these adults in that context wouldn't even know how to do things right. We don't know how to say hello, right? We don't know how to wash our clothes. We don't know how to relate to and buy things and sell things. We're just kind of clueless. <clears throat> but the problem is, when we come back here, we're supposed to be home, right? And we forget what we've. Relearned, de-learned, unlearned. And so frequency differences happen. Okay, I think that's enough <coughs> to make that point. <coughs> I think the key in a lot of this, if, as I was pondering this, the key is a mature, others-minded person. Mature. Others. You're going to have to decipher this board. It's going to get pretty full person that's really the key are we always that Mm -mm. so then we have difficulties frequency issues but as we look at some of these things that i believe third john pulls out and we get practical with some of them we will see that the key is really me getting out of my world and expectations and willing to climb in and try to see them through someone else's glasses and you don't do it right away. <clears throat> it takes time. There was a couple couples, older couples, that Lara and I have appreciated, and we made special effort at times we were in the states um, to get together with them. And there's no doubt in both of our minds, something clearly stands out about both of them. We saw them as older. Uh, their children weren't in the house anymore, but they were li- actually, I guess some of them, they still had a child or two at home. Um, But they had lived an others-centered life, a kingdom-centered life. They had done some crossing cultures. They had helped their children walk through some of those things. Anyway, a few of those things that made us key in and say, we'd like to spend some time, and I guess I'm audacious enough to ask for it. So we sat down with them, both of them, more than once, and began to talk. And the thing that clearly stands out to us by the end of the evening or the time we had together was we started realizing, wait a minute, We're talking about ourselves. We wanted to hear from them. And we're the ones talking. And you know why? Because they cared about us. So how are you doing? What's God doing? What's happening in your heart? And I don't know what all the questions they were asked. But they weren't concerned about. They weren't thinking. They had so much to offer. And so they were going to come and just really offer a lot to us. They're these experienced, cross-cultural, mature, all this. But that wasn't their concept. They came and they cared About Laura and I. These little, young, immature, whatever, seeking to learn people. And they began asking questions and drawing us out. And we realized it happened more than once. They care about us and we're talking about ourselves. Wait a minute. We wanted to learn from them. Not talk about our life experiences, weaknesses, problems. But in doing that, they were drawing us out. And it felt like they cared. And the oil of their care met tremendous did they give off deep words of wisdom maybe not I, I don't know that i actually remember a lot of words of wisdom i'm sure they probably said lots of them and i missed them but that wasn't the key the key was they cared and it was appreciated and we felt loved and cared for again it was a mature others minded person and that's what they were and Sure, they understood some of our experiences. They had walked through it too. They could empathize, sympathize, all that. But <clears throat> let's go back here to first John, and I'm going to we're going to look at three different categories to try to get practical. <clears throat> first, we have beloved, thou doest faithfully. Right here with me, he says, Thou doest faithfully faithfully. And there's something about faithfulness that stands out to me more and more and more as the years go on. I'm very far from old but the older I get the more I realize something so valuable about faithfulness year after year after year. And so It works the same way in a smaller context. When someone comes back, the key is not that I make the biggest bang of being the most caring, loving person, you know, at the very first time you meet them. The key is a faithful heart that really cares. You may not say all the right things the first time or the second time, but you're consistently there and down in you really, really care. A faithfulness that keeps going. Again, not the the, the best words the first time. Not the most... um, You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to say the right thing. If down in, you care about them. And there's a faithfulness in that. That you truly care. Be faithful. Be a faithful one that is there for the long haul. Praying, caring, making yourself available, asking questions... And be willing to come outside of your shoes and try to put yourself in their shoes. There's something about someone who will faithfully do that. Not the first, just the first time and not just the second time, but who faithfully do that. Um, that might seem really dull and duh, but it's a blessing. As they come back dealing with positive, neutral, and negative changes. Someone who does that for them, that means a lot. I've obviously I'm still uh, we still communicate with Tim and Cheryl Simon, and, and he made the comment just to know that they asked you to share something. He said that means something they care and we appreciate that. So bless you for that. You're beginning on the right foot to care. <clears throat> not, not because I have the right things to say and I'm the right one to ask, but your hearts in caring about it. So, when he says there's something about faithfully doing, and he tells Gaius, faithfully do it, there's a blessing in that. Just that faithfulness. There's something hidden, hidden down in there, I believe, of faithfulness. Then he says, you're faithfully doing. That means to be engaged with, and to work, and to actually engage alongside there was a, um, a a dear lady that stands out in my wife's mind when we came back, and she faithfully cared more than once, more than twice, more than three times. She actually didn't understand the whole cross-cultural concept. She didn't understand, I don't know if she's ever even been out of the States, but she cared, and she asked, and she sat down. She might have even cried a little bit with her, hearing, hearing her heart. But she also was willing to do, and she made a phone call, and she said, um. Laura, I was going, there's a real good deal on honey. And I just thought, well, maybe you would ha- like some of that. Um, and you probably don't, again, we don't know when you first come back where to get honey and where the best place is and how to get it. And add to that a list of about, how do I not exaggerate, 250 other things? My first thought was a 1,000, but okay, maybe that's exaggerating, but you might be surprised. And so she called and asked that. And she said, and by the way, I'm going to pick some up. I'll pick some up for you and I'll drop it off. Thank you. My wife, sometimes when she first walked into Walmart, she needed some laundry soap after we'd been gone for a while. And she walks in to quick grab some laundry soap. And it's, is there a whole aisle of laundry soap? Maybe not quite. What do you buy? And I know you might think it's funny, but we make, not to exaggerate, hundreds of decisions in a day that are normal because we already know what's normal. And you go to buy laundry soap or honey, and it's my wife comes back almost overwhelmed. Uh, She had no idea if she made a wonderful purchase or a purchase people would laugh at. The dumbest purchase you ever made because you fell to the gimmicks. Who knows what all? And she has to... So anyway, this lady called. And so she said, yeah, I'll pick some up. But then she let her pay for it. When you go too far and you don't ever let them pay for something and you're always doing something, then you can almost... You know how it is. Then it comes back and I'm really not worth anything. Everybody has to do something for me. So I'm not trying to make it look touchy, but we humans are a little bit touchy, aren't we? <laughs> the ladies are laughing more than us men. <laughs> but a caring heart won't do everything right. I, I'm I'm jumping ahead, so I, I, should, I should try to stick with what I'm doing. Anyway, this dear lady had a caring heart, cried, talked. There was faithfulness, but there was also some doing. And she dropped by the honey. Sure, she took the money. She didn't get paid for her time and her gas, and of course, she didn't want any of that. But... She put shoe leather to her words. And with her actions and her doing, there was also someone who would sit down and care and willing to ask into your world. My wife and I talked about these things. And I said, well, I have to be a little careful. Us men, sometimes, some of it's just not as big a deal to us. Um, Take things in stride a little more. We just do the best we can. Maybe we just are willing to flub up more. I don't know how it is. But some of us, man, we just do this. So um, many times some of these concepts and sensitive things, sometimes is a little more on this side than it is on this side. But down in, it's the same. Laundry soap might not overwhelm us, but okay, walking my children through things, work, um, finances, who knows what all. There's still sometimes some of those things that you have to relearn. You forgot what you don't know or what you forgot. Anyway, <clears throat> let's see. In your doing and in your faithfulness, as it says in uh, Third John here, <coughs> there's something that stood out to me lately. It's this, and I'm going to run off on a tangent, but something on my heart. It says, David served his generation. And I've been pondering this. Mickey, your job is not to do something amazing. Your job is not to make sure that, uh, whatever it is, run a start a business. Okay, I'm working with starting a business or two up there in Vermont. That's not really what you're supposed to focus on. It's not the money. It's not the business. It's not hiring. It's not whatever. You know what you're supposed to do, Mickey? Serve your generation. Oh, yeah. So... A while back, I was considering there was a a young man who I thought, okay, should I hire him, should I not? And a businessman says, okay, what's going to happen, profit? Am I going to make anything on him? Am I going to lose on him? And I backed up, and I realized I need to make wise decisions, but that's actually not what I really should be thinking about. Okay, I should think about that, but am I serving him? Will this serve him? Will it serve my family's needs? Will it serve the community? And again, maybe I'm speaking in a man's world, but that's the question that should hang over my head. Are you serving your generation, Mickey? Anyway, that's a whole message on my heart in and of itself. But in our faithful doing, serve. How can I serve in this situation? I'm not here especially when you're relating with them, coming back, especially in the beginning, they don't need a whole bunch of teaching. They don't need a whole bunch of... They're wrestling through a lot of things and walking their children through things and their own hearts serve, serve their generation. And it goes on and says, which have borne witness of thy charity. And so Gaius showed charity. He had faithfulness and he did what he did. And Gaius also had charity. Thank you, brother. Charity covers. It just does. Think about it. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I sit beside the returning missionary, and beautiful words gush out, and I say the perfect thing, and have not charity, it profits how much? Nothing. Just remember that. The charity down in my heart as I relate to my brothers is much more important whether they're from foreign or they're local. And I hope you can see I keep applying this foreign because that's what you all asked. But even local, same thing. I have the perfect words and speak with tongue of men and of angels. But you know what? If someone else sits on the other side, stutters, stammers and says the wrong thing. But if we know Coming from a heart of love, deep charity, covers. It's okay. My wife's father fell off of a roof years ago, had a uh, hit his head, serious. It's so serious, I'm not sure if concussion's a big enough word for it. I don't know what they call it for sure. But he was out, and it seemed like he was about brain dead. He's laying in the hospital. And the family is grappling with the reality of possibly having a brain-dead father-husband. And there's just a hushed sobriety, sadness, heaviness, wrestling with all this. A dear brother from the church. He's a little, what would I say, loud and forward sometimes. And so he starts transmitting a message to them, okay? So he walks in a little bit loud and forward and says, oh, God told me that um, he's going to rise up and he's going to be strong and and back like he was, and I don't know his words. And and God showed me this, and I just wanted to share it with you. To a hushed, sober mindset. That was a bit of a jolt. It's a little harsh, and it's like, okay. His, he was transmitting... I care deeply about this man. I've been praying and weeping for him and I want to give you courage. That's what he was transmitting. What it felt like was loud and boisterous and a little harsh and don't you care about what we're working through right now? And But do you know what? <laughs> it was actually mom. Uh, the wife of dad was able to help the children and she said, listen, Look properly at what he's transmitting. Don't take the jolt of the way it feels. And they all knew he deeply cared. He loved dad. He loved the family and he cared. And so they put their receiver from the way it felt, 101.3, and they bumped it down to 99, whatever he was sending. Okay, thank you. And it felt like charity. The key wasn't his words. He actually did some of the words wrong but his heart was right and they had the maturity to see that and if again it comes back to charity when they come if the heart is others them I'm caring about them I'm not here with the answers I'm not necessarily going to teach you everything I'm not going to but it's a heart of love from the very inside and then the tongues of men and of angels whether they're there or not that's optional Right? I hope this doesn't feel too duh to you, but it's really true. It's also, charity, is also a self-sacrificing love that doesn't get hurt hearing something um, or hurting from a response. It's a very common wrestle between... Missionary communication and home communication. And a missionary will make a comment, something like, oh, it's just kind of hard to get used to the uh, living in such ease and comfort all the time. And over here, the response is, hey, wait a minute. It's not all ease and comfort. There's some difficulties around here. Don't think you have such a hard life and I just have it all easy and a piece of cake. That's a common sender-receiver thing. I don't know if you've ever felt either side of them. The side of the missionary is not trying to communicate, I think you're just living in luxury and ease. You are just sitting on cushions and you don't really know what real life is and you're kind of wimpy. That's not what is going through their mind. They're wrestling with the concept of it is amazing. You walk up, I know to you, you might laugh at me. To a sink and turn the spigot and out comes perfectly pure water, hot or cold. Walk over here, you can get hot air or cold air, whatever temperature you want. Hot water, cold water, whatever temperature you want, you can adjust them. Then you can have a... a, I I don't know how to say it all, but just all that stuff, it's just... It's kind of amazing. When they make comments about it or they're thinking about it, if you respond with the idea oh, they just think I have it easy. They don't realize I have difficulties in life too. And Don't just call me a lazy bum, easy, slothful. That's not what they're thinking, but sometimes we can react that way. You ever felt one of those sides? Any of you? Yes? No? Maybe? A little? Maybe not? Okay, that's fine if you haven't. It. But it's a common response. We'll just be amazed at some of the, uh, how nice we've been able to make things in some ways. And the response can bristle that, Don't just make me feel like a slothful bum. Charity is willing to say, I'm sure that's amazing. How how did you have it? What are you thinking? You know what I'm saying? And you begin to think about others and aiding others journey, not how it felt to you, but trying to crawl into their shoes. That's what charity will do. You're not hurt by a comment when they say something and we don't bristle. We care. Charity, right? <clears throat> I'm sure you've, many of you have maybe heard this But most many people don't listen with the intent to understand They listen with the intent to reply <clears throat> That's not a good listener A good listener listens with the intent to understand Not the intent to come back with, with a comeback Work on that one, watch yourself And learn from others And you'll see people doing it both ways Oh, he's listening because he's trying to figure out how he's going to reply to this. Or she's listening because she cares and she wants to understand. Charity does that. They want to understand. Listen with the intent to understand, not just to figure out how to reply. Um, Charity is going to sometimes need to cover when... You think something's odd. We sat down with our children sometimes and some people had made a special meal. You don't get this kind of thing in Tanzania. We're going to give you a special one. And our children look down at the plate and says, Mama, what's this stuff? Or I don't want any. Wait a minute. Our guest just fixed us something special. Really, really good. And our children are hankering for rice and beans. Okay. Sending and Receiving. Can you see that? You're showing love, and the parents will understand it. Some of the children won't. And it it won't just be food. Again, sometimes I hesitate to give illustrations because these may not be the illustrations that affect certain people. Other people, it's whole other illustrations. But just try to get the heart of it here. Love, charity, will cover. It's okay. Don't be offended when little Johnny doesn't like this special sweated-over meal that you made for him and he wants plain old rice and beans again. Don't be offended. Have a heart of charity and cover it. And let love realize they're not communicating that they don't care about you and they don't care about your your self-sacrificial service. They're just being honest. And they came from a different set of influences that formed them. <clears throat> Maturity isn't bothered for self. It's caring about the other person. Um, again, teens especially uh, sometimes have the hardest time. And, and also among their peers, uh, there's not the maturity to actually see past some of this. And so sometimes the peers will put pressure and not understand and they're not mature enough to do it right and so there's misunderstandings and there's uncomfortablenesses, and I want to encourage um, older youth. those of you who have the maturity that can get outside of yourself, come alongside the others um, the the younger youth, and draw them out and care about them. You step outside of your box and be willing to draw their hearts out. Ask them questions. What are they thinking? Step outside of your normal box. And seek to get in to their box. <clears throat> and remember. They are perfectly functional people. Over there. Even though sometimes they feel dysfunctional. In our setting. Because we don't always know how to do it right. And we forget. And again children are are, are in learning mode. But when they've learned here. They have to flop. And learn something, something somewhere. Something else. <clears throat> Be willing to cover give space i would like to just open it up in light of these three things and everything i've said here questions comments um marvin and jenny have been through my sister and brother-in-law have been through some of that and i was delighted when they said they'd come along and so i'm hopeful that maybe they have a couple of comments too but i just want to open it up does this make sense um no hard and fast, obvious answers, but just understand what's happening with communication and have a faithful doing charity. Comments, questions, thoughts, illustrations. Just a minute. Go ahead, Marlon.
1: So one thing that um, really try to understand, as Mick was saying, uh, this was more for my wife than for me. Uh, in a small group of ladies praying together, having you know weekly or uh, monthly meetings, getting together, and it was hard for Jenny to connect to the conversation because the conversation was very much about home and babies and this and that in her heart had a whole host of other things with overseas and the things that the trials the desires coming back what do i do next what's the purpose in my life and yet realizing that none of these ladies are really going to understand what i have to say and so if you can listen with that heart of charity uh, that we we probably say things because we're passionate about something that could hurt. Um, one of the things that that we wrestle with, uh, we wrestled with, I figure um, Tim and Cheryl will, Mick and Laura, is that whole thing. You were in a place of ministry day in and day out. We come back here. And instead of working what I was over there at um, 15 to 20 hours a week and the rest was family and ministry and those things, I need to go back to 40 hours a week. Um, is that all I do in life? Work? Be patient and give grace to some of that mindset coming out. We're here more for more than work. We're here for, for more than Supporting our families. And, you know, those things will come out probably. Give grace. Listen. Hear their hearts. Go ahead,
0: really. No, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's very good. And um, I think it even applies to us. We have different subcultures here even. Mm-hmm. There are different backgrounds people come right. from and learning how to understand and work together. Uh, that applies to even way more than just what we're looking at here. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, it's called human relationships, right? One of the most complex things for us humans to do right is the very thing we're desperate to do right. Or maybe I could say the hardest things for humans to do is what Jesus said Christians will be known by. Their love one for another. Their relationships. And yet that's the hardest thing in the world to do. Right? That's what the world grapples with. You have millionaires, and they have a miserable life because of relationships. <clears throat> Go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, um, how much should you, like, ask them how things are feeling to them? Like, if you have them over for a meal, should you ask them, like, is this food okay? Or if you're having a conversation, like, "Um, is this conversation that you feel like you can be a part of? Mm -hmm. Or can you go too far in asking too many questions like that? Yeah, first answer is I don't know because we're all different. Okay? My first answer to lots of things, I don't know. Now, opinion. Yeah, I think you can go too far. And we'll get to that a little bit. They're normal people. Don't tiptoe around them like they're some China doll. You might do it right, you might do it wrong. Normal people. Um, but sure ask. Where are what are your thoughts and feelings on something? Sure. But be sensitive to what how they respond to that and take the cues of whether that was an appreciated question or not appreciated one. Go ahead, Marvin. <laughs>
1: they they are sensitive, will be sensitive. To really trying hard mm-hmm. to be a blessing here, mm-hmm. to fit right in, to merge right in with you all. Um, and so you can go too far. But yes, we don't, you don't really know. You have to be sensitive and um, be a blessing. The other thing I thought of, we talked about last night a bit, is just sometimes saying, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're going through. If you don't, fine, tell them that. But at least they know that you, you're, you're caring. Um, how many of us at funerals have felt like we should maybe be tearing up or we should know what to say and we don't? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the best thing to do is to be quiet, to just walk through, shake hands and keep going. We don't have to say something. But if they know we care, that's, that means about as much as saying anything. Yeah.
0: If you have a faithful doing charity at our very core.
2: I've never been overseas, so I sort of cringe saying what I'm going to say next. But
0: um, <clears throat> I taught school from 92 to 06. Um, usually had about 24th and 5th graders and poured my heart into it. You know, if it was a 50-hour work week, it was a short week. And um, then due to fi- family dynamics, my brothers-in-law thought I should quit teaching school and and earn money and buy a house. But, okay, so my quitting teaching school was my choice. Why? I must say I really struggled hard the next three years because of culture shock. I went from, like Marvin was just saying, I went mm-hmm. from being mm-hmm. a minister, in ministry in church mm-hmm. to just being a common, ordinary wage earner that wasn't really doing anything for the Lord. And mm-hmm. I struggled with self-worth the next three years more than I even want to admit. <laughs> good. Yep. I think you understand some of that. It's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go on. I'll open it up <clears throat> later again. Okay, third John, I'm using that as our outline here a little bit, which have we read, born witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward, okay, so what we have here um, these others here that we're transmitting to and from calls them brethren and strangers <clears throat> and it was already mentioned here I've mentioned it some of you others mentioned it that in the things we're talking about it works the same whether it's brethren or it's traveling evangelists or missionaries it's the same principles as we relate together <clears throat> um, and I, I just found this interesting Gaius Gaius is mentioned in Romans I'm just going to read Romans 16:23. Romans 16:23 says Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church saluteth you. So here's Paul, the apostle Paul, saying Gaius was my host. So John is saying he hosted people as they came through and the apostle Paul is saying I was one of them and he treated me right. So as we do brethren and strangers here, Gaius had a heart and was a host that was known for bringing them forward on their journey. Remember, whether you're in this category or you're in this category, whether you're a brethren or you're a stranger, you're a normal person. (laughs) We've talked about already a little bit some of the different dynamics having come from a different culture and a different setting and but they're normal people. Don't treat them like oddities. And what I mean, don't feel like you have to tiptoe. Don't tiptoe. Relate. Just relate. And if down in, there's this kind of a heart, a faithful doing charity heart, you'll do well. So don't take the concept now that we talk about some of these things and then you relate to them, whether you relate to them as oddities or you relate to them as super spiritual. Either way, Skip both of those normal people and relate to them and be free to relate to them. You know, you ask questions and that's very common in this type of a setting. OK, so do I ask them this question Do I ask them this question? Should we feed him this? Should we feed him that? Should we go here? Should we go there? Should I say that? Just have a heart of charity that's sensitive, but then be who you are and care and relate. Don't tiptoe around like odd, like they are odd people. They're normal People, not special, not super spiritual, they have weaknesses, they have problems, they need others, they need acceptance, they need brotherhood, they need influence, they need, and they want all of this. It's just, there's a transition time that some of them will be extra sensitive. You, don't be sensitive in the sense of tiptoe, but be sensitive in having a faithful doing charity. Just saturated, a heart, that heart from the core. So, they're very normal People. But also understand they're a little different. Can I do that? Can I give you a paradox? They're different in that they have a different set of circumstances that they're looking at life through. They have a different history. They have a different, in, I guess maybe I said, set of influences, a different history, a different backdrop on which to look at everything they face. We all look through the lenses of our history, our experiences, our past. We all do that. That's just the way we live. And I'm not going to dig into that very deeply. But so recognize it's okay if they come with a different set of lenses. Normal people relate to to normal and yet have an understanding heart that it's coming from a different lens and a different set of circumstances and a different set of experiences <clears throat> but relate to them as brothers and sisters they want that that's what they're coming for because they want to relate with you all with us as the people of God in this setting so don't, don't make yourself uncomfortable by it and yet have an understanding concept they're brethren they're strangers you're going to host them you're going to care for them but they're brethren you see what I'm saying? Normal, different set of background, except these things. <clears throat> then he says, brethren and strangers, then he says, whom if thou bring forward on their journey. So I'm going to put in here just a short bring forward. Um, in a sense, it felt to me like here we have. How did I write that? I probably should look. Make sure I don't do that wrong. Here we have the. Um, it's kind of hard to write this, isn't it? Here's the what. Here's the who. And. Here's the how of what. As we process this. <clears throat> this is who I am. This is the B part of me, the very inner core. This here is who we're talking about, and this is some how. And so we'll talk about a few more practical things here. Bring forward on their journey. We humans go through transition in life. And there's a major chain in the scenery of our journey when we hop on a plane and cross the ocean and come over here. We've already talked about that. There's a fairly major jolting change. And I don't know how many of you read something Cheryl wrote a while back. She had this definition, transition. She had a definition for transition. And it was movement from one highly functional place to another with a complete dysfunctional dip in the middle. That's transition. And it was a quote from someone else, but she sent that. That's what they're going through. They're going through movement from one highly functional place to another highly functional place with a complete dysfunctional dip in the middle. And that's the way it feels sometimes it it transition from this, this. We were highly functional, productive people, and our family was a unit that knew how to relate and did it well. And there are people over here that are perfectly functional and know how to do it well and do things right. But they have to go through this dip before they climb back over here. And so that's the way it feels sometimes from. Yeah, she just mentioned even a little girl that, that cries because she can't find any of her dresses and she can't find any of her dolls and she you know, and life's just all upside down for a little girl. to parents who have a loss of status, you mentioned that. they just lost their position, what they live for. They lost what they're, they're valuable for. They lost what they really do well in life. Us men, if we just imagine yourself going from a highly productive individual in a business, and you decide the next day, uh, I'm going to go work at a mechanic shop, and you were a computer programmer. Maybe I should go the other way around. There's a whole bunch of computer programmers that are highly functional and do a good job, and you were over here, what did I say, building houses or working on cars, whichever, and you are a highly functional, and, and you have your spot. You know what you can do. Others know what you can do. If you make a comment, they respect your comment according to who you are. Yeah, he knows about taking that alternator out. I've seen him take 25 of them out of that vehicle and 100 out of that one. I mean, you know, and, and you have your slot. Day one, computer programming. My hands are kind of dirty. I'm working with the grease yesterday, and I'm not sure if my clothes quite match. And I, I. You're lost, if you are. That's some of what happens. Not that this is wrong or this is wrong. It's just it takes some time to figure out what's up and what's down. And all of a sudden, I don't know anything. They have to teach me the basics. You know, click on the start button. Where's the start button? I mean, okay, most of us know that. But that's the way you feel sometimes. Start button. Start button, start button, start button. Your mind's racing. How do I do what she just said? I'm sorry. Could you help me with that? Where's the start button? Whew. The other person's mind, you really are not very intelligent on this. And everybody knows these vibes are happening. I'm just trying to give an illustration again that shows we don't usually go through that. We walk into a new job sometimes and, and we know what that's like maybe. But just, just imagine. And so you have this dysfunctional dip for a while as you walk yourself, your emotions, your perspectives, and especially your children through some of these things. I know even when we moved to Vermont, I felt like in my own heart, I went through a dysfunctional dip. Not that I felt dysfunctional, but the people I was relating with took what I said and I say some sentence and they're grappling to know what do you really mean? Because they don't know the Mickey of the past 20 years. They don't know who I am, what I've done, what I've lived for, what I've stood for, how I stood on issues, where I looked, the way I looked at things. And so they just take a sentence. They're trying to figure out what I really mean by it. And you realize, oh, I don't have any place here. I don't have any grounds. I have to start and build them. And I have to build a reputation. And I don't mean a a reputation in the sense of a proud reputation. I just have to build who I am what I think, my perspective. And then my work. You know how it is, brothers. If one brother sitting in a brothers meeting says something and someone else would say the same thing, sometimes it means something different, right? Depending on who it comes from. You're you don't have any of that. You lost your status. You lost your place and now you're trying to find it again. And children are doing the same thing. They were they had a Place And they knew what that place was. And now they're trying to find it again. So help them bring them forward as they're coming through this transition in a godly way. Help bring them forward. And again, it's going to come back to the what of who I am. That's going to really help them. It goes on, he says, Because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. And I'm just going to say, acknowledge. What did I put here? Acknowledge their labor and past labors. Acknowledge that. Understand that. Dig, ask questions about what their hearts have been into, and do ask about their lives. And the ministry that's happening there, Tim, at least, I'm sure, will keep some connection. His heart will still be some there. But though Cheryl's heart may not have so much to do in communication and the children's, their hearts and thoughts are still going back there some and they're still going to wish for some of that. Ask him about it. Don't feel threatened that you wish they were more here in heart. Don't feel threatened that they wish we did things more like some back there. Don't feel threatened. Hop into their shoes and be willing to acknowledge their labor of love there and ask how it's going. And so and so and and how's she responding. And if you have a heart of charity, you'll do that. You'll care about them and you'll acknowledge their labors of love like is done here in third John. Um, It's for his name's sake. They went forth acknowledge their labor of love in that way. He goes on. "Um, We therefore ought to receive such. Receive them. Take them in. Give them grace. If they act a little funny, just cover it with grace. If the children sometimes are too bold, cover it. Receive them. If they're too shy... Receive them. Just receive them. If they're awkward, overbearing, whatever it is. In a Tanzanian setting, if um, you two were talking, Brother Earl and Brother John here, and you're talking, if a small child walks past and doesn't greet you and leaves you to yourselves, it's very disrespectful. So So a small child, to be respectful, will walk up, interrupt your conversation, and greet you. That's disrespectful in American culture. Leave you alone. You're grown men, and a child shouldn't be boldly charging in and interrupting your. No, for him not to greet is disrespectful. You're just not recognize. You're not giving respect and honor where it should be. And you just walk on past and don't even care. Again, it's just this thing. And I just threw out just another illustration. Cover, okay? They're in a dysfunctional dip, maybe. It's okay. Cover. Don't. Don't just. Give grace, give space and don't go and remember, wait a minute, what they're transmitting may not be what I'm receiving. And that allows you sometimes to to receive them lovingly and cover. <clears throat> um, I'm going to open it up again. Other comments, questions. Um, bring forward, acknowledge, Receive. <clears throat> comments, illustrations, um, comments you had earlier were good. Others. Over here, this one. I
2: just want to take this opportunity to bless one of the ladies here. Um, I was once a stranger here. I did not come from overseas but Uh i came from a different group of people Uh and a different congregation and doris doris no was there for me from the beginning Uh and i just want to bless her for Uh caring and pursuing and just walking along she asked me how i was doing from time to time she cared Uh she listened she laughed and um meant a lot to me, and I want to learn from her, from hmm. the things she taught me through that all. I just want to bless her this morning.
0: Excellent. Excellent. You had a transition, and you had a dysfunctional dip, and sometimes you feel like you're still scrambling out of it sometimes, right? It doesn't happen overnight. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. You don't have to say yes or no to that, <laughs> but you understand that. Dare I be so bold as to say theirs might be even a little bigger. And yet it can be less, you think, because they were here. They know who we are. <sighs> Sorry. Four and a half years, influence, saturation, and children walking through all that. Excellent illustration. You have experience. It's good. I didn't hear one thing she said that this lady said to her and said right or said wrong. You know what you heard? Right? She cared, she listened. She laughed. She asked. Anyway, perfect illustration.
2: Something that happens to we ladies is that we cry, and um, it might be happy or it might be sad. But when change happens in our lives, which is we all have that, but when you don't know how to relate to Cheryl or the little girls that are gonna cry. Um, you can understand change. You can understand what it feels like to go from one thing to another in any area of life. And I think finding ways to understand that, like Mick said, our, our, we're people, so we all feel the same things. It might not be in the same area, but we all know what change feels like. We all know what understanding feels like. We all know what misunderstanding feels like and if you can put yourself there Mm -hmm. it i'm speaking especially for the ladies i guess um because we tend to be the more emotional the other thing i thought of was at one point when we came back from india we were totally embarrassed at our children's table manners i mean it was horrible because we always used our fingers always to eat and we get back here and The children didn't even know how to hold forks and spoons. And they're, you know, picking up their green beans or whatever. They were younger as well. But when we went back to India, we decided, okay, when we have Indian food, we use Indian manners. When we have American food, we use American manners. Because we had to, my point being that um, there's different training. We've invested in different things. Tim's have invested in different things for their children and for themselves for years. Um, different training. There's different requirements living in that culture. There's different interests. And that is their life. You come back here and they want to be here, mm-hmm. like Mick said, but there's also, it's so different. Mm-hmm. It's just different. And so I think I found a blessing when people asked me about what I had been interested in for years. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, it showed that, okay, they didn't understand, but it mattered. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Um, so, while wow, they also want to be brought into... They want to be here. Uh-huh. It's just hard. There's adjustments. But so bringing them into what's your interests and in trainings have been has, is great, but also understanding that if you ask about theirs, there's uh-huh. a place for that, too. Uh-huh. And sometimes... For me, anyway, sometimes I wanted to talk about it and sometimes I didn't. And if I can find a gracious way to say, you really don't want to hear that story right now. How's your garden growing? You know, know, Mm -hmm. there's, again, that charity and that understanding Mm -hmm. to let, you know, ask. And if they don't want to talk about it, don't be offended. If they do and you don't understand, that's okay, too.
0: Excellent. Well, human beings don't just fit in boxes. Right? We're a little bit complex sometimes, especially inter-emotions.
3: Thank you very much for all your illustrations up there. Um, I experienced a little bit of that when I moved out here to PA. I didn't really know anybody. Um, And I had different people that reached out to me and listened and cared about me. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Those people are very, very special in my life. Um, A couple of them were uh, Dale Schnupp and Jason Reed. Both of them Mm -hmm. took me out for breakfast multiple times. I didn't really know anybody out here. Um, And so it meant a lot to me. Um, And then there was a couple verses I was thinking about. One of them um, says, you know, charity suffereth long. Charity is kind. Charity envieth not. It's not puffed up. Uh, you know, um, we had a, heard a message on on Pride the other Sunday, and uh, somebody that is puffed up can't think of others. It's all about them. Um, also was thinking about that quite a bit with a uh, <coughs> um, situation I'm working with that I'm pretty involved in that uh, makes it very difficult when people are thinking about themselves. Um and then there's, there's a, another verse here that the first part of it, um, I hear I hear love and kindness. Um, it says, wherefore, this here is in James, um, James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let everyone be swift to hear and slow to speak. Um, anyway, so that. Uh, and slow to wrath. And slow to wrath. Yeah, patience. Yes. Excellent. So all of those things um, combined can uh, open up, open up the transmitting and the receiving a lot. I think. So thank you very much for what you're sharing.
0: thing um, receive such that we might be fellow helpers right that's what we want to be we want to be fellow helpers which with each other that's my calling I'm supposed to be your helper and you're supposed to be my helper that's our job That's one of our job titles and if I want to be a fellow helper, that means I join you in your wrestles. I'm a part of it. When the Israelites were fighting and Moses was up on the hill, we all know the illustration of Aaron heard jumped in there. If Aaron would have said, all right, Moses, let me sit on that rock. I'll 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 do your job for you and I'll put my hands up. That's not the way God had designed at that time. It wouldn't have worked. Moses would have stepped off the rock. Aaron might have sat sitting on a rock. We don't ever know who's sitting on a rock. I'm thinking of pictures that we see, do we? Sorry. If Aaron would have said, trying to make this a little more biblical, um, here, Moses, I'll hold up my hands. Yours are tired. That wouldn't have worked. God had ordained it that that was his job. But Aaron and her didn't take the attitude Aaron has in the past, and it didn't work, but they didn't take the attitude, here, let me do that. You're tired. He said, no, I'll help you. We humans, me, and I say me, my tendency is, here, let me do it. I like the, the what do I like? I, the pride likes the recognition. I get to the accomplished one. I'm the one that does it. That's what pride wants. A fellow helper says, here, let me hold up your hand, and you're the one that's doing it, Moses, and I'll hold up your hand. To me, this fellow helper concept just kind of brings all this in, and that's my job to be a fellow helper. Look for ways to be fellow helpers here in the church to each other, and yes, you'll be that way to Tim and Cheryl when they come back. If that's your heart and that's the way you live, I want to be a fellow helper. How can I help my brother? How can I help my sister? Not how do I accomplish what I want to accomplish. And I realize God gives us dreams and visions. Sometimes we're supposed to, you know, push them forward. But I think there's a huge key here. If we would all take a fellow helper concept in the church and relating with one another. And then also, obviously, as Tim and Cheryl come back, you will do it to them. May God help us to be fellow helpers. Aiding others journey. That's what a fellow helper does. He aids someone else's journey. But it takes a maturity and and an others-minded person. So, God bless you all and be with you all as you... um, I know your hearts are to do this and I'm blessed with your interest, comments, questions, and heart. Um, So, God be with you as you do it to each other and as you do it to Tim and Cheryl as they come back. And please... Uh, it, it's a wrestle sometimes to know how practical to be and how just principally to be. Because if you're too practical, we're so different people. Um, and we all sometimes want to need something different. But <clears throat> Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I come asking you would bless my dear brothers and sisters here at Oasis as they seek to aid others' journey among themselves and even especially as Tim and Cheryl come back. Would you bless them, Lord, as they come back? And they work through their uh, dysfunctional dip because they want to. They want to be here. They want to learn. They want to relate to these brothers and sisters. And so, Lord, we are asking you'd be with both sides of the uh, transmitters and receivers. And as they relate, let charity be saturating it all. Deep heart fellow helper attitudes. Thank you, Lord, for faithful fellow brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Keep us faithful, Lord, doing all we can for Your name's sake till You come. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.